Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This is the Bob McCown Podcast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. John Shannon and Richard Deitch, the day after the Toronto Blue Jays lost in two games to the Minnesota Twins. You know, Richard, I, I couldn't help but think um, Maple Leaf fans demanded that they play the Florida Panthers. They chanted, we want Florida. Well, they got them and lost. And there were Blue Jay fans from coast to coast to coast saying, we want to play Minnesota. Well, and they lost. You know, it's a classic case, a classic case of be careful what you wish for. It was, and uh, and we have seen the result. Um, you know, John, there are there there are losses that sting, and then there are losses that really stay with you. And this is going to be a loss that's really going to stay with Blue Jays fans because of how that game. How about self inflicted loss transpired exactly. Um, Vladdy getting picked off at second base, just inexcusable and probably something he'll be thinking about for the whole off season. But the focus has been incorrectly. So on the decision to take Jose Barrios out, um, after whatever it was, 41 pitches. Um, it's something that's going to be talked about and debated and discussed in, in Blue Jay fandom for the entire off season as it should. And it's, um, it's a larger discussion. And I imagine we will get into it with Bob Ryan. In the age of sort of analytics and the age of scripting, is you're, you 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 end up trusting like what your script says more than perhaps what your eyes said. And I absolutely feel for every Blue Jays fan who wakes up this morning saying, "I cannot believe they took out a guy from a game who was dealing and who looked like he could go another two innings to give your offense, which admittedly has been awful." a chance to score some runs. It's not, that's not the only reason they lost. I mean, the offense, once again, just like it was the whole year, did not come through. But man, John, like, you know, I think most of us, when Kikuchi came in, you felt a little like, uh, this feels like it's not going to go the right way. And it didn't go the right way. You know, I, I, I was one of those guys that, you know, I'm not an analytics guy at all. I'm not. I'm an eyeball guy. I'm a, I'm a human guy. I'm a, can you, can you see it in the guy's, you know, body language. But when John Schneider said after the game, and he was not cryptic, he was not cryptic at all. He said he was probably, he probably had his best stuff of the year. You're going, seriously? You're you're going to sit there and say, we had a plan. Here was the plan. We were sticking with the plan. Oh, yeah, but Barrios probably had his best stuff of the year. That just that just contradicts everything I know about the game of baseball. What you know, true. and I and I know the numbers guys, and I know the analytics guys would say, "No, we had a. This is what it's supposed to be." 
But my God, these guys are human beings. They're not robots. They're not computers. I mean, I, I, it, it, it's just flabbergasting to think of, A, what that clubhouse was, was like for the five minutes after the game. Um, but just how, how absolutely silly. And I mean, John, it would not surprise me that somehow, some way Schneider loses his job and not because of what he did in the game, but what he said after the game. Could be. I, what, what yesterday showed is just the continued limit, limited diminishing power of actually managers and how yes. much really say they have over the game. And then actually the players told you after the game, John, they were on, <laughs> you know, they're not going to, they're not going to go out and bury John Schneider and bury the front office in the most, you know, over the top tones. But when you hear Bob Bouchette say, like, you know, we really got to do like kind of an overview of of all our decision making, you know, like Merrifield and others sort of saying, yeah, that was a kind of a a, a, a decision that was, I think, all of us weren't sure. You know, I mean, they they can't go out and bury everybody, but when they go as far as they did yesterday after the game, yeah, everybody knows like what happened and and the players i'm sure can't believe it either well and, and i mean i uh, quite honestly i didn't need to wait to hear bo bichette after the game because i saw it when he went to the mound you saw it when all of his teammates came before schneider got there because they yeah. knew what was going on at, when schneider came out and motioned to the bullpen they knew that something was happening they all went to burrios they all went to burrios before the ball was passed to the manager yeah I don't mind a team losing 2-0 with with an actual error in the field or with a strikeout. I don't mind that. But when you have a self-inflicted decision like this, this is just plain stupid. The last thing I'll say is this. They managed as a franchise and as a team that didn't expect to score, and that was the real sort of problem is that you know, you're managing for these fine margins because you don't expect to put a five or a, sp- a six spot up and they have to figure out like those changes next year. You know, the game is in some ways very, very cruel. If Matt Chapman's, um, you know, shot down the left, the left field line is, you know, five inches to the right, you know, it's a different game. If Chapman's ball is another foot in the first game, it's a, it's a different game. They take the lead, but the they were managing they were managing the playoffs because they went into the playoffs, John, with I think such a lack of faith in getting offensive support that they they in many at least with the Barrios decision, I think they they overthought it or overmanaged it or over whatevered it. And um it's it's gonna be a rough one for Blue Jays fans this this offseason. To, to me, this this I think will hurt more than the collapse in Seattle because I feel like people think this was a winnable series. Well, I mean, let's remember, and we talked about this a lot on this podcast for the last month, just get in because they have the best pitching staff in baseball. Just get in because, you know, the, you know, maybe the hitting will come around, but but the, the whole concept of what they have with their starting pitchers is better than anybody. Here's the other thing. Um, <clears throat> there's another story out in the bullpen. Um when Romano doesn't close game one, Hicks does. Um, and Romano's collapse in, in the last couple of weeks of the season. There, There's something else going on. And by the way, we can mention all of this stuff and lament the fact that the Blue Jays screwed it up. 
Nobody's talks, talking about what Alec Manoa did to this team during the regular season either. There's there there might be two or three soap operas going on with this baseball club uh, that that are going to keep fueling things for the for the off season. Yeah, I mean, I hope they figure out Manoa. He was too young to give up on. He's a young guy, but that obviously changed the course of the entire year. If he even has an average team, an average year, I think they have a chance to win a division. That's that's seven or eight more wins um and yeah I, I mean maybe we'll learn about this john the next couple of months but it's very possible romano was pitching hurt um you know over the last couple of weeks Th- this always happens at the end of the year you really never know how um how beat up guys are but um it's you know perception is such a weird thing and like i feel like if they would have gotten to the divisional round and even if they would have gotten rolled by houston mm-hmm. i think you just would have thought differently of this team and it, it, I, I hate to use the the parallels because I think they're very different organizations, but I feel like Blue Jays fans this off season are going to feel like Maple Leafs fans have felt like so often after losing <laughs> the first round. It just feels like the same. The, the one thing about the Blue Jays, and I, 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 you know, I've enjoyed watching the team. They got a lot of young, fun players, but like the, the, the this entire year, John, did it not feel like just a frustrating, joyless grind? And that has not been the POV of the Blue Jays. POV of the Blue Jays has been for the last couple of years, Vladdy and DeBario and Guriel and everybody's happy. Like this year, I, I, I talked to so many Blue Jays fans who were miserable. They were miserable with a team that was 20 games, close to 20 games over 500. It was unbelievable. Well, but they were supposed to be ahead of Tampa. They were supposed they to be were. ahead of Baltimore. That's it. You're right. Expectations. You know, yeah. Um, you know, and by, by the way, actually, you brought something out that I – I probably should have noticed long before the end of the regular season. Who had the most home runs on the on the Blue Jays this year? I think it was Vladdy, right? Yeah. With how many do you think? Twenty-seven, maybe twenty-six. Twenty-six. Huh. Twenty-six home runs. This was a guy that not that long ago was in the mid forties. Yes, high. And 40s. so, 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 uh, you know, and the way Matt Chapman started the season. He had to have more than sixteen or whatever the number was. I mean, uh, it's just, I, 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 you're right. I feel for the frustration. I just uh, let's remind Blue Jay fans and Maple Leaf fans that 1992 is closer to 1967 than it is 2023. Yeah. <laughs> so that's because 1992 is a long way away now, man. It's, it's it a long way away. And by the way, it's, uh, one quick aside before we uh, we get to Bob Ryan. Um, so I I, I I lived I worked for the Minnesota North Stars for a couple of years, um, and so we moved to Minnesota. The first thing we did is we, it was the middle of baseball season. Blah blah blah. We go to the World Series. The Twins win the World Series. We yeah. move back to Toronto. The Jays win the World Series in in our first year here. The Jays win the World Series the second year we're here. And my wife says, "Gosh, everywhere we go, they win the World Series. Can we go somewhere else now?" So. We won the World Series. We were what? We were at three consecutive World Series clinching games at one point in our lives. We thought this was going to happen all the time. <laughs> that was it. The, the, the well got dry, but at least you got to see that. That's cool. Oh no, it was fun. Anyway, Bob Ryan will join us. One of the, one of our favorite guys. I know he likes coming on with us. He's gonna he's gonna squeeze some time in for us here on a busy day for him. We will talk baseball. We will talk Jays. And we might even throw in a little bit of discussion about the National Basketball Association. Bob Ryan with Richard Deitch and John Shannon on the McCowan podcast after this. 
Welcome back to the podcast. Richard Deitchin for Bob this week and joined by the great Bob Ryan in Boston. And uh, you uh, just before we went on the air, you said a great phrase, Bob. It's a great time of year. You know, the baseball playoffs are on. NBA and NHL are started. Football started. And there was a time it was the, like this was a four month holiday in Boston because uh-huh. every team was winning. But it's not the case anymore. But this is just a spectacular time to be in our business, isn't it? Well, this is the normal. This is the way life ordinarily is. What we went through for the first 20 years of this century was truly unprecedented in, in, in American in North American sports history. And certainly in America, uh, where a city was privileged to have championships in all four sports, major sports, in a seven year period from from 2004 to 11, each of our four teams won at least once. Only city in, in North America that can say that. and. Uh, you know, it was it was blissful, and and you know, some of us were somewhat pragmatic. Uh, tried to warn people, it ain't always going to be like this. Now, we are back to normal. We, what is normal? You know, for th- this is not we're, what we had was what was unprecedented. Well, we're back to normal. One of the things that y- you have to wonder about is that, is how both the Red Sox and we will get we will get to the playoff, the baseball playoffs, because. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure they're worth anything now. Anything that everybody got swept, but when how are the Red Sox and the Patriots ever going to get back there? It's going to be hard. Sure, it is. You know, I try to remind people, and when they get greedy, okay, if you were to simply alternate in each of the four major sports a championship, one by one, on the calendar, it would take either 30 or 32 years before your turn came around again. That's how many teams are playing in the four major sports, 30 or 32. And 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 if somebody's, I don't know, somebody's talking expansion, uh, baseball, basketball, whoever. Anyway, think about that. It's hard to win. And and you it, period. It's hard to win. And and all the variables uh of of, of and which include injury and who's healthy at the right time. That's why I, I have little interest in preseason predictions on any sport. Until you can tell me who's going to be available or not available when the playoffs roll around in that in that particular sport. Because it it makes a difference. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be very hard. The Red Sox, I'll start very quickly, uh, have at least three intriguing young players that you can can look forward to seeing. Okay, and that that is Jared Duran, who who turns every uh, single or half of them into doubles when he's healthy, and Tristan Casas, who had metrics that for a period of time in the second half of the year was the best in in all of the American League. He's a power-hitting first baseman. And... Rafael Sardin, who can, he's got, he's a, at least a four tool, if not five tool player. Uh, he's 20 years old. They got, they can hang their head. What they need is pitching, you know, pitching. They, they're, and as far as the, uh, Patriots are concerned, uh, they, they need everything. And I'll just sum it up by saying that, um, Bill Fryce Barcells gave us a phrase many years ago, Jag, J-A-G, just another guy. Well, I'm parlaying that into, or tra- Jat, J-A-T. Just another team, period. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's interesting. I, I I'm higher on the Red Sox, John, than you. I, I actually I'm with Bob. I like the three guys he mentioned. Um, they have a minor leaguer, Marcelo Meyer, who looks like he's going to be a great player as well. I've only happened to know he's he's stashed away on my fantasy team, so I've been following <laughs> minor league. But I, I actually think their minor league system is pretty good. Like Bob said, if they figure out the pitching or spend for the pitching. If I'm a Blue Jays fan, like I'd I'd be paying attention to the Red Sox. I actually think they're in a better position than the Yankees actually to 
make a rebound. The one thing I wanted to ask you, Bob, because uh, it's sort of been on my mind when I knew you were coming on today, and there's very few people I think who can offer some kind of uh, perspective more than you. When you started in the business, the, the National Football League was certainly a player in the American sporting conscious. It was nothing, though, like it was today. You know, when you were starting out in the Boston Globe, you know, people who would say baseball is the America's pastime, that was a legitimate statement. Like, that, that you could not really counter that. Um, college football was in a different place then as well. But the NFL from, like, you know, mid-'70s on to today just became this massive juggernaut. And I wonder just from your perspective, like, do you have any thoughts as to the why? Is it <laughs> is it just television? Is it just because it's a once-a-week sport and it's perfect? But when you start out – the business like baseball you could have that argument with baseball if you had that argument today about baseball being america's pastime people people should walk away from you because it's just not true football that's totally true uh, baseball uh in fact i have a column uh coming out on sunday uh, uh writing about a time when baseball was king and and yeah. a certain incident that happened i'm not going to give my scoop myself um, <laughs> I just, um so i won't tell you but um it it, it speaks to what you're saying um why? Well, it's interesting because the the reasons, the core reasons, were always present, and and the core reasons were, a, it's a terrific betting uh, vehicle, football. Yeah. The b, um, and this is where it, the the they had a very wise television policy. They can thank, uh, they 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 was you can thank people like uh, Elder Mara, uh, all for what they were they were thinking communally. When they're in their television uh, procedure, Pete Rozelle, of course, gets the credit for all his marketing ideas. And the other one is, and you alluded to it, it's an event once a week. Right. It's an event. And I, I, I can cite, let me just give an example of, of how that manifests itself uh, in my own little circle of friends. Okay. It all started, the Patriots were became the Patriots, as that, that we just, you know, okay. So we would we'd get together and watch the Super Bowl. You know, we'd be about uh, four or five couples, eight to ten people. We'd, we'd watch the Super Bowl. Then we started watching, get together at someone's house to watch the playoff games, every one. Then we started getting together to watch, quote, unquote, big games during the season. Then we started getting together every week. It became a, became a ritual uh, every week. So who, who, who's, where are we going this week? Are we yeah. going to, to Joe and Linda? Are we going to, to uh, Liz and, and – uh, uh, you know, uh, Peter, where are we going? Okay, it, it's a ritual and it, it's an event, and and no other sport. When so, the great advantage is they play so infrequently. There was only seventeen times. Now, you know, there want to be sixteen. By the way, don't get me started on that. But yeah. as, as opposed to baseball, the marathon of marathons, one sixty-two, and on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, but they parlayed everything into it, and uh, and here it is. It's a colossus. And I don't know, you know, and 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 it just is. So I, I okay. I we we know you don't like the seventeen games schedule, and I understand that and respect that. There's a lot of people in at least four baseball cities today that are saying <laughs> we wasted September for this. Yeah. When you think that they're all four of these, I don't even know what you want to call them because everybody everybody's calling them a series. I don't. I don't it's not a best <laughs> of five. It's not a best of seven. This was a, a brain fart as far as I was concerned. All four teams that lose two straight, they're done. And we wasted September for this? I first thought of this morning, the team I most first thought of 
though, was Tampa Bay because of that start they had. Yeah. Let's go back to May. They were they were unbeatable, right? That everything was going their way, pitching, de- offense, defense, everything. They everybody likes their manager. You know, everything was right there except the thing that's always wrong there, which is their stupid ballpark. And and <laughs> and you saw that pathetic attendance. They had less than forty thousand combined for the two games. Okay, lowest attendance since nineteen nineteen. By yeah. the way, hey, Bob, there was there were more people at the Bruins preseason game than game one. Come on. I mean, <laughs> oh, that, I, we, we can have the whole show discussion of, of why they don't deserve a franchise or, or Florida in general, because the Miami Marlins aren't much better. But anyway, um, yeah, you're very right. It, it's a two games out of three. Remember, we went through us the NBA for a while. Yeah. We, we got the dreaded mini. We called it. You don't want to get stuck in the dreaded mini, you know, and we went through a few years of that before they got out of that. Um, no, it, it, but here's let's see baseball. The playoffs in baseball drive we ultra purists, and I'm I'm qualifying myself, and I mean I'm putting myself in that category. Ultra purists, uh, crazy because until 1968, you know, you, you, you there was no play postseason, right. you know, until 1969. Excuse me, last year of a real pennant race was 68, and and then we started the playoffs in 69. Uh, and, and you always said, well, wait, 154 games weren't enough to determine your worth, and and now you go in a World Series and you understand. You know, it's a, it's it's not really capricious, but you could, you know, the better team doesn't always win. But we, I'll give you the fifty-four Giants over the Indians as an example. But but, and I'm a Giant fan. But um, I was, excuse me. No baseball is, but right, it's it, it, too totally different. It, it it is right. The way you're saying, you, you, when you're stuck in the midi, I don't know how long if this will jar baseball. But they have tried to find the right formula for themselves, but. There is no right formula right, to, to make baseball what it should be as long as you're going to play in postseason. I'm sorry. So, John, let me – and, Bob, you're welcome to follow on this. So, John, let me just counter on this, okay? Like, like obviously, two games, it, it feels like, uh, you know, a quick death. It's very, very tough for a baseball fan to to deal with when the season is over that much. That said, the additional wild card does, I would argue, make September that much more exciting and at least in play for that many more cities. And baseball, like every other sport, essentially just wants to keep as many teams in contention as possible. So the turnstiles continue, right? And the money from television continues. So that would be my counter. Well, yeah, like this, these last two days were awful. Certainly living in Toronto is a disaster. But at least September was meaningful in our city because like the games did matter to ultimately get to the postseason. So that, what do you feel about that? That would be my counter to you that like, yeah, like this like mini wild card is nonsense, but it does make September more meaningful versus what Bob was saying. Once upon a time, you know, if you were seven games out, September 1st, you were done. Like it, that, it, you were you're, you're, you're right. It made September great, but I, I feel like I got to the dance and then she wouldn't dance with me. Well, I mean, I feel, I feel, I feel, Tell me about it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like the Sinatra song. Is that all there is? You know, I mean, it, 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 I just feel like all the hype, everything going, you know, the race between the, you know, the two teams in Texas and Seattle and Tampa and Toronto and then, bleh. yeah. I mean, to, I the letdown. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not even worried about the Toronto part of this. It, it, it To me, it could have been. It could have been the you know the Yankees or the Red Sox in a, in, a, in a mini game. And by the way, if the Yankees and Red Sox were in these mini series and lost two straight, more people would be yelling, more people would be complaining. 
Well, look, Milwaukee, you know, like if you uh, if you live in Milwaukee today, you feel oh. awful as we do, right? Like you had a sure. great year, and that thing just ended. Yeah, yeah. I think about that. Well, uh, well, this is a very difficult issues to resolve, really, uh, for baseball because of the nature of its game, and then you know, and the nature of this long, long, long season, and it, it that dwarfs all the others. It's twice as long as everybody as as the next can, contender. You know, the two baseball, the two winter leagues, and um, it, it's. It's, it's irresolvable. I mean, it's just, you, I, I don't know what the answer is. I'll be very honest. I don't know. Except to go, you want to go three for five right off the bat? I mean, God, God, we have enough playoff games now. But yeah. common sense probably says you should go three for five. At yeah, least. I, I think, I'm I with think common, yeah, I if your playoffs, if your playoffs are playoffs, I think you have to go a minimum of, of three for five. I okay, agree. Richard Richard and I have already dissected uh, from a Toronto perspective how analytics can ruin a baseball team. <laughs> so, so 42 pitches. 42 pitches, and the manager after the game has said this was his best stuff of the year, and they took him out. Bob, they took uh, him out after 42 pitches. I know. I, I was watching, and I, um, my, you know, I, I hesitated before. I said, no, Bob, they'll throw something at the set. So I didn't do it. But, but, uh, <laughs> uh, really, come on, baseball, come on. I mean, this is absurd. I mean, truly absurd. And, I, the, the, and most, I, Fine. Who is is there? I'm asking. Is there a a, a a contrarian manager out there who really would go? I mean, that that's the extreme of of, of the new analytic cautiousness. That I would say. But is there anybody who isn't in the club? Is there one manager? Is there one renegade manager that I can? I don't know who. If there is one that that would you know that that would go let a guy go. Oh my God, 110 pitches or or, or well, Dusty would. Dusty would. I think Dusty would good for. I think well. you have. I think. I think the only way you can be a renegade is if you have more leverage than your front office. If you're, <laughs> and then the deal yeah. is like the Buck Walters of the world and the Dusty Bakers. Those guys are, they just don't exist anymore. Like the, usually the manager is in co- right is in coordination with the front office. They're all new age guys. So I don't like. I'm with you, Bob. Like I wish that existed. I just don't think that, like I don't even know if an Earl Weaver or Whitey Herzog could even exist today in the structure. Oh, I, I it, no, that they would they wouldn't be promoted through the ranks at all. That if they, you know, you're right. It, it's well, I think we're all on the same page here. You know, yeah. and, and, but, and this is this is, Don, this is uh, Don Quixote though in the windmill <laughs> because we're not going to win. Well, the, the other thing I was thinking today, especially with both of you guys on today, like I was thinking, like, and you you guys are a little older than me, so you you would have seen. Hey, this hey, 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 hey! No, not not a ton. I'm just saying a little. <laughs> so, but like, can you imagine, like? John Schneider coming out like with this to take out Bob Gibson in a playoff game. That's what I was thinking. Or like Tom Seaver or Steve Carlton, like, like, or even if you want to be more new age, Nolan Ryan, Kurt Schilling, like the absurdity of even thinking about that, like that move with those all time pitchers. And when he took Barrios out, that what I was, I was thinking was like, you just go back 20 years ago or 25 years ago in baseball, oh. like a, a guy pitching that well being taken, like, I kind of would have loved to have seen if it was Bob Gibson because he would have basically told John Schneider to get the hell back to the dugout. Oh, like he said, what do you, you, fight on the what do you want? What do you want? He'd say. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know what's going through my head right now? Jack Morris. Sure. Oh, another guy. Exactly. And, 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 and the most one of the most famous pitch games, not just in our lifetime, but in the history of baseball in, in 1991. And, you know, the, the, we had – you know, we had indoor plumbing and color TV and everything, you know, and and and, and it's, I, really think about that. No, no we cell phones. In, indoor indoor stadium with pillows. 
Um, <laughs> I w- I'm actually, I was there, Bob. Yeah. I was, actually, I was actually living in the Twin Cities at the time. Uh, and, uh, and so when they, when last night, when they said this is the first series victory since 1991, I said, holy smokes, that's a long time ago. That's and, one of that. You, you could, that's, that's, a, there's an argument to be made. That's the, that, that's the greatest postseason game. You know, others might debate others, but like it's, it's, you can make a compelling argument about that. The game. Top five, without question. Yeah. It's absolutely in the top five historical all time World Series games. No, no question about it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing about Dusty, the thing about Dusty, and Dusty even admitted it this year in one, in one of the two games. He said he went out, he went out with the intention of pulling the pitcher and saw it in his eyes and he went back to the dugout. Well, I mean the eyeball test. The eyeball test has to be worth something at some point. Well, the one, the one thing I mean, the one the, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Bob. I was going to say, like the one thing I and like I don't know the answer to this, but like, is it just like if John Schneider does this, like he knows he's going to lose his job? Like I just I wonder if like if you don't follow the analytics or the front office script, yeah, is that it? Like you, you know what I mean? You know ultimately that you are um, that you're not going to be employed if it doesn't work. You know, see, but here's here's the other thing, Richard. Um, the decisions are made by nameless, faceless departments. Nameless, faceless. Well, well we know, but we, well, we know so the here's name what, at the no, top. Here, we know the name at the top of the department. Right? So here, no, but I think now, I think in order, because I, I guarantee you, once we humanize it, it will change. I think there should be a guy in the dugout with a computer. I think there should be a guy sitting beside the manager. With the up-to-date analytics saying, here, hey, hey, you know, John, here's what we should be doing. And then and then, then, then when that guy realizes his name's going to be in the newspaper, his name's going to be on radio and television, I guarantee you he will be, he will feel much more pressure and not make such, uh, you know, antiseptic decisions in all of this. Well, the one thing that I just try to, I mean, again, like I, I, I'm not even like the, the job of a, what is the job of a manager today then, if not to make these decisions with your eyes, is it just to decide when like a reliever is tired or not? Is it just to, I don't even think you make the lineup in terms of the order. Is it just like a communications job where your, your job is just to make sure that the chemistry works? Like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're essentially you're eliminating whatever that job requirement is. Right. You know, um, I, I can answer that question, I think, truly. The answer is exactly what you just alluded to. The primary job now is is uh, personnel management. It, 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 it's, it, it's steering the ship, trying to provide the working, the, 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 the uh, sailors, you know, with, with the right opportunity to do so he's the So the manager is now the HR department. Yeah, and no, seriously, that that is his most important job is to, is to uh, keep harmony, uh, inspire, manage, you know, uh, just steer the ship. Uh, right. the, the the mechanics of running the game have been you know forfeited. You know. Gentlemen, I'm going to show you something. Um, I am holding in my hand a scorebook uh, that, uh, f- and and in this uh, right now is game five of the 1970. Uh, five World Series. Oh, I love it. Game and five. I, so that's Red game, Sox. Uh, Red me. Sox. Reds. Yeah, right okay. before that's the fifth. Game four. I mean, I yeah. mean, game four. Game four. Okay. Game four on on uh, October fifteenth, nineteen seventy five. Why is that significant? Well, Louis Tiant pitched a complete game, which is in itself, you know, was a, 
He threw 161 pitches. Oh my God. Wow. And I have his, him signed. It's a signed scorebook. He signed the book wow. for me. Oh, awesome. And, uh, it, it's, and he had from the fourth in, he shut them out after the uh, fourth inning. He had nothing. He had, he, he had nothing. He had, a, he had nothing but guile and will. He had, a, he had a mediocre fastball. His curve was, he didn't have his best stuff. And he won a hundred. You talk about famous World Series games and, and notable games. 161 pitches. I mean, it, it's that sounds like something out of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, right? I yeah. mean, it's it's so fictional for a modern baseball fan to to grasp, but that's the game that we won. So uh, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but do you have any idea how many uh, innings it took him to pitch 42 times? Because <laughs> he he wouldn't have lasted past 42 pitches in 2023. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do. Hold on. I got pitch. I got inning by inning. Okay. So, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, uh, Rios, I like, Rios last night was on fire. Louis, Third Louis, inning. Louis Third inning. Had a, did he have a, what, what was his most pitches in an inning? Most pitches in an inning? 31 in the fourth. That was his trouble inning. He gave up two wow. runs. Uh, <laughs> but guess what? Yeah, he struck out. He ended up by striking out uh, 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 Terry Crowley as a pinch hitter. But it was, uh, there was, um, there's a great piece by Tom Verducci today just on sort of the Blue Jays and just like the decision making and just sort of baffling. But, um, John, I read this morning, it might have been Shai Davidi of Sportsnet, who said something to the effect of like, you know, if you cannot trust a guy who you who you brought in and paid one hundred and twenty million, you know, whatever Barrios's contract is, right. then why are you bringing this player in to your organization? Like it, it just sort of logically doesn't make sense in that if you anointed people to be whatever this position is and in Barrios's case the salary suggests that he is one of the 10 best pitchers in the league just like how do you not in the most important game of the year allow him to continue but this is what we've been discussing they're so wedded to the script the analytic script that says x and this is where I don't even know who to blame if it's Schneider for an office it was one of the greatest cases of literally not watching what was in front of you, but watching what is on your computer printout that tells you what to do. And it and it and it cost them the season. That decision cost them the season. So, and by the way, uh, with his sixth pitch in the third inning, Lewis Tion reached forty-two pitches in that particular. <laughs> well, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have got to the fourth inning to allow <laughs> those two runs, Bob. That's all I'm telling you. The uh, uh, the other thing that was uh, on your scorecard, October fifteenth. Was yeah. game four of the World Series? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we just got to I, every year. I think about this in 1954, uh, September 30th was Game Four and the final game of the World Series. And, okay, which was played in four days with no travel day between New York and Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, but that John, as you know, that 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 is your world. The television has dictated. Oh, I know. Yeah, that we're totally, going totally deeper and deeper into, um, and uh, you know what? I I mean, I, I don't know how you do. Maybe you'd have to expand. I would not be surprised if baseball even added more playoffs somehow or another wild card team. It, th- oh. This is the kind of stuff that ultimately, I mean, we have seen this in every sport. If you can get another postseason round or game, you can make hundreds of millions of dollars from a tel- from a media company. Like it's just it's just math at the end of the day for these guys. Well, I'm I'm sure Rob Manfred's phone was ringing at least from four owners. So. Um... Uh, enough of uh, the windmills and Don Quixote because it's not going to change, right? Yeah. Uh, we're with Bob Ryan and Richard Deitch, John Shannon on the McCowan podcast back after this.
Welcome back to the McKellen Podcast. Bob Ryan in Boston, Richard Deitch and John Shannon in Toronto. Um, before we change the, to basketball, I, I, I actually want to bring something up that's a little morose. Um, last week, we lost three guys with ties to Boston. Chris Snow, who works for the Calgary Flames, was a Boston Globe intern, Bob, mm-hmm. uh, and was a sports writer and uh, lost his uh, battle with ALS. Uh, tremendously sad and a very public one because his wife, Kelsey, uh, told the story on a continual basis. Uh, but Russ Francis, uh, the greatest, in my mind, one of the greatest tight ends in the history of the National Football League, a Patriot for a while, uh, died in a plane crash. And Tim Wakefield died of brain cancer. Um, it's not a question of who, what affected you more, but uh, the Wakefield was a fascinating one for me because Wakefield was such an impactful player because of the knuckleball, and he seemed to always be able to pitch for a long period of time. You must have known Tim pretty well. Not only that, but he was essentially a neighbor. He lived two miles from where I uh, where I live, and uh, yeah, and in Hingham, Massachusetts. Um, So much to unpack here, guys, in a a short period of time. I'm afraid for you, but uh, for me, but um, Tim Wakefield hit me hard. Hit me hard. Um, Very hard. Uh, He was a he was a prince. He was a wonderful guy. His charity work around here. It was immeasurable. It's phenomenal. Uh, so over and above the baseball part, and 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 the baseball part is commendable. You know, he broke in with the Red Sox on, on May twenty seventh, nineteen ninety five, pitching uh, uh, a seven innings shutout ball in Anaheim uh, after they had signed him after he had been released by the Pirates. On May thirtieth, he pitched seven innings of one hit shutout ball. That's how he broke in with the Red Sox. Um, two game victory. In three days. Okay. Exemplary teammate. The the tributes are coming in from everywhere. There is no negative. There's no yeah, but nothing about Tim Wakefield. It's just everything is positive. Everybody loved Tim Wakefield. Extraordinary teammate. Uh, They all, they're all crushed. And and quickly, this whole thing, you know, we became aware of this in three days from the time we found out that he was, he had brain tumor until he died. Thanks to the reprehensible uh, Kurt Schilling who posted a, a tweet about the cancer of both uh, Tim and his wife, Stacy, who has her, she also has cancer and they didn't want this out at all. And, and he, he posted, I won't even get into why he did it because that opens up a can of worms. So we, we don't need, you don't need in, right. right now, but it was a, a stupid reason. Anyway, A, um, B, uh, I didn't know Russ Francis, but certainly he, he was at his peak, a very, very good tight end. Remember Howard Garcell nicknamed him all world. Right. He was famously called him the all world tight end. He was very, very good. And, and, uh, uh, and, and yeah, absolutely. And thirdly, Chris Snow, you're damn right. I knew him. Um, he was a globe intern. He also covered the Red Sox on the beat, uh, as a young fellow. I remember taking him out to lunch that year, that first year on the road. Uh, then he, 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 uh, he always had hockey in his blood. His father was a hockey writer. And, and, and he went into hockey with uh, uh, the Wild in the front office and moved over to the Flames. And then he, he received this horrible diagnosis uh, in, 19, in 2019. And mm-hmm. his, his wife, Kelsey, was a fellow Globe intern. Wow. So it was an office romance that, that clicked. And, uh, you know, and they, they raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for ALS research. Uh, and so it, it was a life well lived, as short as it was. And, and of course, it'll be, you know, it, it'll be missed. You, uh, it's there's really no uh, elegant segue to move to the NBA, but thank you, Bob, for um for giving us a sense of those three. And uh, again, I had never, I, I you know, I knew of all three, um, but um, Wakefield one really hit. Like the every person I know 
in baseball who dealt with Tim just said he was a great guy. And to have your medical diagnosis thrown out there uh, is just incomprehensible. And as I say, I, I, it was a ridiculous reason, and, and Schilling. It's, but it's classic Kurt Schilling. Yes, yeah. yeah. It it, it reemphasizes everything about Kurt Schilling. The um, the hey, NBA, before, actually before we go to the NBA, ahead, can, I, can I just ask one quick question about Wakefield? Yeah. Uh, and because I'm always wondered, uh, like the to me of all the we call them dressing rooms in our country, but for all the dressing rooms of all the sports, the clubhouse is the biggest. You know, there's you know the, the clubhouse is massive. Um, uh, was Wakefield one of those guys that a baseball clubhouse everybody migrated to? Yes. Um, and he just seemed to have the right knack of when to approach people and, and, and when to, you know, the, when to offer advice and when, and when, when to offer a shoulder to lean on and uh, he got it all. And a perfect example of, of, of his, you know, graciousness, that's a word that you don't usually attach to, to athletes. In 2003, the final day of the season, we were in, I was covering the game. We were in uh, St. Pete at, at the drop. And um, Bill Miller won the batting title that day in the last day of the season in a very close race with his teammate, uh, Manny Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Tim Wakefield, he, he came back and found a bottle of champagne placed in his locker. It had been it would have been placed there by Tim Wakefield. Just a small gesture that shows, you know, the the, the, the touch the guy had. Everybody yeah. loved Tim Wakefield. Okay, on to, on to basketball, Richard. Let's go. Yeah, so, you know, Bob, like the, the, the Celtics have been a really – fascinating team in the last obviously 12 months just given the changes Marcus Smart leaves the sort of the heartbeat of the Celtics and they sort of retrig you know rejigger this entire team uh Christoph Porzingis comes in and you're sort of thinking okay the Celtics are pretty interesting maybe they're not the favorite over the Bucks but but they're going to be there and then obviously the Drew Holiday trade comes so what it really feels like is that um Brad Stevens has put a group around his, you know, his his big two stars to really go for it. And then obviously Milwaukee with the Lillard trade. It um, you know, if you're in Toronto or some of these lesser ends, it's not so fun. But if you're in Boston, it feels like, you know, you're, you know, it's it's uh it's Rome, it's Sparta, Sparta, it's it's Sparta versus Athens, right? It like it's going to be <laughs> really interesting this year with with the Celtics. There's true excitement in the air. We're, uh, those of us who love basketball are very excited about the season, about the team prospects, about the rivalry that will ensue between themselves and the Bucks. Uh, and uh, you know, already fast forwarding to the NBA Eastern Conference Finals that we hope <laughs> you know we'll, we'll, we will be a part of. Uh, here's the thing: as the season ended, our big debate here, our big question for the French front office was. You have two choices. You stick with it and you say, this group, God damn it, we love them. We think that we're close. We, we just need to tweak a little bit. We're going to stick with this total group. We're going to go for it one more time. Or we got to do something different, period. Something. Well, that's been answered. Something has happened. They've traded Marcus Smart, who was, you know, you can have all the cliches, the heartbeat of the team, the, the, the you know, blah, 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 the leader. They did it. And uh, and and his players, teammates miss him. Um, they brought in Christophe Porzingis, uh, giving him a dimension they did not have. Uh, and uh, now they've gone out and gotten Holiday, replacing Smart in in a technical sense in a way. And Holiday, of course, is a, one of the you know gentlemen of the NBA. He's already made a phenomenal impression with people here. We know his whole story uh, personally as well as professionally. Bob Ryan of yes. the Boston Globe, John Shannon, Richard Deitch, back after this. Special thanks to Bob Ryan, uh, Richard. It's uh, it's been a I don't know what is this going to be withdrawal. I'm I'm sure I can't get into preseason hockey yet. 
So no, uh, I mean this the these these uh these couple days for Toronto sports fans are not going to be fun. You're going to be thinking about the Blue Jays. It's going to feel like a bad hangover, and then eventually you move on to the NHL and the NBA. But it's going to be hard to get the taste out of the mouth, the bad taste out of the mouth on this one, John. They have a lot of work to do as well in terms of evaluating what the team's going to be, and then just in terms of like a real um, decision making uh, process. Like there's a free, there's a lot of free agents on this team, and they got to yes, decide sir. if they have any interest in. Retaining o- older guys too, right? Older. Yeah. I mean, what do, do you do with interest in retaining Chapman? Do they have any interest in retaining Kiermaier Belt? Well, does uh, Belt have any interest in staying? Too? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same. It's right. It's the same questions going back. I would bring back Kiermaier. Uh, I thought he had a great year. I think he's still a great defensive player. I think you can get him at a decent price. Can I, he, I tell you what, though, we we learned in Toronto in the in the last little while what they knew in Tampa: can't hit the curveball. Yeah, but he had a good year. Hit the curve. I know he had a good year, and he yeah. was fun to watch. And he's a great defender. I, I think Chapman gets too outpriced for them. Um, and Belt, I mean, Belt had a good year. I just, I don't know if he comes back, but he had a he had a good year. There, they need. I mean, again, I'm not saying I have the answers, but man, do they need to figure out um, a way to inject more offense into this lineup? Yeah, it, right. it, they, they cannot have another year like this. By the way, you mentioned the impact of Toronto sports fan. This is, I'll tell you what, um, and we don't have to lament this one too long. This is one that felt from coast to coast to coast. This is, this is, I mean, there are big, great baseball fans in every province and every territory. This is being Canada's team. Is not just the Southern Ontario issue. This is a national thing. Every time I go, well, more people in the West and in the Maritimes when I travel out there, they talk as much Jays as they do anything else. They yeah. love this team. A, and this is heartbreaking for Canadian baseball fans, period. They've been a fun team to watch and to root for. Not this year per se, but in the last couple of years, uh, a young, fun team, but this was a rough, rough watch this year, and uh, just a brutal ending. Brutal. Yeah. Well, our ending's better than that. We were pretty good today, so <laughs> I'm not. And by the way, I'm not. I'm not pulling you after 42 minutes. Okay, we're not. We're. we're, we're you're going to stick in there. All right. I'm gonna Thank see you, I... Richard. All right, man, and thanks to Bob Ryan for joining us. Enjoy the day, folks. Don't worry. Baseball playoffs are still going on. This is the McCowan Podcast. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.